It was just six years ago this month that Northeastern Pennsylvania artist James Moran died at the age of 76. In the fall of that year, The Atlantic published an article titled Haunted in Hazleton about Moran, written by Charles McElwee. Writing for a national readership, McElwee was able to bring history, art, economics, and urban studies together to help us understand how a clearly talented artist could raise questions throughout his career that would speak directly to broader conditions in the 21st century. McElwee asks a rhetorical question as he sets the stage. He writes, Nestled on a picturesque plateau in Pennsylvania's northeastern region, Hazleton is the kind of post-industrial city that for decades looked as though its best days were behind it. That's why artist James Moran revealed on canvas the vitality of his hometown of Hazleton, not as he saw it, but as it was when the city was in its heyday in the first half of the last century. Moran was born in 1940, a time when the downtowns of American cities featured blocks of cinematic quality, neon lights, flashing marquees, bustling stores, and packed diners. In Moran's youth, Hazleton possessed all these features, instilling a perception that the city was larger than its real size. And so, after the neon lights were turned off, and the downtown facades had started to crumble. It was the more nostalgic vision of Hazleton that would inform Moran's work. But nostalgia erases the hard edges and magnifies the romantic. It also undermines the value of the present. So, did Moran realistically capture Hazleton's past, or did he affectionately depict an imagined story? The answer, of course, is both. Words of writer Charles McElwee from his article titled Haunted in Hazleton in the Atlantic, November 5th, 2016, about artist James Moran, who died on March 5th of that very same year. Charles McElwee is editor of Real Clear Politics, Pennsylvania, and vice president of the Greater Hazleton Area Historical Society. And he stopped in with a laptop filled with images of paintings by James Moran, to introduce us to Moran's work and show us how the answer to that rhetorical question he asks about the artist is both. Before we meet Moran, we meet McElwee. My family has deep roots in Hazleton and Schuylkill County. I'm sixth generation really in the region itself. Both sides of my family came from Ireland in the 1840s, through the 1860s, still in Schuylkill County and Hazleton descended from miners, very similar experience to many who came to the area. But Hazleton in particular, in the 19th century, attracted immigrants from County Donegal, Ireland. And Donegal is at the northernmost end of Ireland in Ulster. And Donegal Irish were an isolated people. And they came to northeastern Pennsylvania through the potato famine into the 1860s to work as laborers in the mines. And Hazleton was really their their primary point when it comes to northeastern Pennsylvania. Of course, there were other Irish waves from County Mayo, for example. Oftentimes they went to Scranton. But Hazleton attracted Irish immigrants from Donegal and the the south side neighborhood in Hazleton that uh, attracted the Irish became known as Donegal Hill. The south side was Donegal Hill. And that was where my family ended up. 
where my father grew up on the south side of Hazleton behind St. Gabriel's Church, which was the neighborhood parish. And uh, that parish is interesting itself. The, the present church is a magnificent church that kind of commands the skyline in Hazleton to this day, was modeled by a local architect, Peter Sheraton, to look like St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. And it's a magnificent French Gothic 13th century style modeled church. And um, at one point in, employed Digger Phelps as a high school coach at St. Gabriel's High School. And, and, and Digger put shamrocks on the, the high school boys' uniforms saying someday he'll coach at Notre Dame. And he indeed ended up coaching at Notre Dame. But yes, my, my family, deep roots in Hazleton throughout the area. I lived at one point in the Hazleton area as well and worked there. And through my father and my, my family, just a lifelong fascination and affection for the uh, area's culture and history. We have that sense, and you have a wonderful way of being able to understand the socioeconomic and even the political reverberations of what that means in the context of not only history but present day. But we're here to talk about an artist who is really intriguing, and many people may not know, and he's Irish too. Yeah, a fellow Donegal guy, uh, Jimmy Moran. And, and Moran, who sadly passed away in 2016, he was born in 1940 in Hazleton, his family had a beverage company, Moran Soda, and anybody who grew up in Hazleton in the 40s, 50s, and 60s would know Moran's bottling company quite well. Moran went to St. Gabriel's School, graduated from the high school, and in the 50s went to the Pratt Institute. You know, this is the beatnik era, so he's going to Pratt, getting trained in the fine arts. And during the same period, New York was undergoing this strange phase where they were eliminating all their architectural jewels. So that by the early 60s, the original Penn Station, for example, destroyed. And to this day, considered one of the worst acts of destruction, demolition when it comes to just beloved architectural landmarks. And Moran was a family friend. So my father was very close friends with him and got to know him over the years. I mean, from the time he was, I think he first met him when my father was 17 or 18 and Moran was older and they just hit it off, became great friends. And Moran had wide ranging interests. So he, he was a vast reader, had a large collection of books. And he was also an artist locally in the Hazelson area. And then he ended up in Luzerne. But Started off in Hazleton, lived in what was known as the Carriage House, which was north of Broad Street, and it was the spot you would just drop by, visit him, talk to him. He was a great conversationalist and just had a, a great wit and a great storyteller. And interesting story about him, he was the, at, at the time he died, the longest surviving recipient of a heart transplant from Hahnemann in Philadelphia. Hahnemann sadly closed a few years ago. But a fascinating story. He had the heart transplant in 1994. And he lived to 2016. And, and the creative surge continued. And he mostly focused his work on Hazleton. And Hazleton was a love-hate relationship for Moran because he witnessed firsthand how Hazleton did not have an appreciation for its own history or architectural inventory. And so oftentimes the subject of his works were those buildings, scenes, landscapes that Hazelson had lost. And in his view, it never needed to happen. And unfortunately, it did. 
So Moran just was um, consumed by this. I mean, he, he just loved the area, but at the same time resented how the area approached itself. And I mean, he makes me think of this quote from Pete Hamill, who often wrote about nostalgia. And Hamill, who was this great writer from New York, another Irish guy, passed away two years ago. But he, he often wrote about nostalgia, and Hamill said, you have to understand the corrosive effects of nostalgia, how it's a treacherous emotion, at once a curse against the present and an emission of permanent resentment. And it was like Hamill was talking about Moran when he wrote that. And when you look at Moran's paintings, you, you feel that nostalgia, you feel the, the, the mood of Hazleton. I mean, Moran even managed to capture the brutal weather that defines Hazleton, whether it's the bleak autumn evening that sets the, the reminder that winter is near or just a, an Arctic night that makes you realize, think that winter will never end. But amid those meteorological uh, struggles, he managed to present Hazleton at its peak in a, in a beautiful and vivid way. And your sense of his return to Hazleton, he could have stayed in New York. Of course, but I think he has what a lot of people, and I think a lot of people from Hazleton would understand this. It's almost like a sense of unrequited love. There's something about Hazleton, the small city on a mountain, the, the highest incorporation in the state of Pennsylvania. But it's like you took... Hazleton's like Brooklyn, you put on a mountain and you throw in coal. It's this mosaic of cultures, a fascinating, colorful, eccentric place. And it's just, it's a perfect place for an artist or writer. And Moran expressed his art through the medium of oil, paintings, etchings, and drawings. He had wonderful sketches as well. And he understood Hazleton's culture. He understood that mentality. And every community has its own mentality. But he understood that if you're a local in Hazleton, you see Moran's paintings, and you grew up in Hazleton, you actually understand what he's trying to convey. And that there's an emotional component to his art that sets a mood that even though these scenes are long gone, you understand that they were once there. To quote another great late historian from Hazleton, L.A. Tyrone, he had a book called We Were Here Once. And I think if you were to take Tyrone's book title from 2005, it oftentimes applies as a theme through Moran's work. Well, take us now to downtown Hazleton through the eyes of Moran. That's just the one I had in mind. Great. <laughs> so he has many paintings. One of his best is called They Talk at the Feely. And it's a painting that I believe this was done post-heart transplant. So some of his best work came after the new heart. And the painting is of Wyoming Street toward the corner of Broad and Wyoming, what is the main intersection in downtown Hazleton. And if you inspect the painting closely, you'll realize that it's from 1929. The title itself gives it away. They talk at the Feely. The Feely was a massive movie theater in downtown Hazleton that was built in the 1910s and actually replaced what was Thomas Edison's power plant in downtown Hazleton that was funded by the Markle family, a local coal, a powerful coal baron family. It replaced that power plant, and that power plant resulted in Hazleton being one of the first cities in the world to have a full-scale electric grid among cities, third of the nation. 
And the Feely was built with one million red bricks. And it was also a place to watch boxing matches. Even my, my grandfather boxed at the Feely in the 30s. And the Feely was the downtown theater. Uh, there were others like the Capitol and the Grands. About a dozen theaters were within the core of downtown Hazleton. But it, it's 1929 because the marquee on the Feelys advertising the Wings. And Wings was a World War I epic drama film. That was one of the last silent films. That came out in 1927, and then they re-released it in 1929 as a talkie. So they had music, sound effects, and that film in 1929, that won an Oscar. And funny enough, that same year in 1929, that was the first Academy Awards, Frank Borzage won Best Director. And Borzage was essentially a Hazeltonian. So his parents were Tyrolean immigrants who came to the area in the 1880s, and then Borzage went off to Hollywood and became the first recipient as director of an Oscar. The painting itself, it just, he captures Hazleton at its economic peak. So you have a crowded city street on what appears to be a typically ominous autumnal night in Hazleton, just for his use of the blue tones in the sky. You look straight ahead to the Markle building, which was the it remains the tallest building in downtown Hazleton, 10 stories, built in 1910. It was the first high-rise building, skyscraper really, constructed in Pennsylvania without a single piece of lumber. And atop the building at one point, which Moran features in the painting, is what was the largest electric sign in Pennsylvania, Markle Banking Trust Company, and it had an intermittent flash. And just a year before this setting in 1929 and 1928, Charles Lindbergh was flying through the Hazleton area and was navigating what remains a notoriously dense fog that defines the area on many days of the year. And Lindbergh relied upon the intermittent flash of that sign to get him to land safely in the Cunningham Valley. Besides that, I mean, there's so much activity in this painting. In the middle of the painting is a trolley, and the trolley system was part of downtown Hazleton, the Lehigh Traction Company that was set up by Alvin Markle. His father invented the modern breaker. They were the most powerful coal baron family, arguably in, in northeastern Pennsylvania at one point. And it's passing through the crowded street on Wyoming, and that ended up being part of the Wilkes-Barre and Hazleton Railway, which operated between 1903 and 1930 and would transport people between Hazleton and Wilkes-Barre. That system, the WBNH, had a third power electric rail system that became a model for the Long Island Railroad. So all this activity, it just, Moran's showing in this painting that it was a very cosmopolitan city from the activity at the theater, the trolley system looking out in the distance to the Markle building, the Traders Bank building, which was designed by New York architects Mowbray and Uffinger, and in the distance, his family parish, St. Gabriel's, which is where it all began for Irish immigrants in the area. But it's a beautiful work, and what he's showing is what was once Hazleton. And unfortunately, buildings like the Feely were demolished, and too often replaced with either nothing or simply a parking lot. There are other paintings. He, he had the intersection of Broad and Wyoming once again, where you see a trolley. The one building is called the Hazelson House, and that stood in, in downtown Hazelson until 2004, 2005. It was the oldest building in Hazelson when it was leveled. It dated to the 1830s, 
And it was just, unfortunately, a, a, a necessity because of the condition of the building. It was replaced by Hazel Drugs with a new pharmacy structure. But Moran paints this scene, and he actually, in the Broad and Wyoming painting, included his mother, who was a uh, teacher from McAdoo, nearby Hazleton, where she's passing her future husband at the intersection. It's, it's like a fleeting pass. He has different versions of this. He has two versions of this painting. And the one version, they're passing each other. Tell us about this building. So the one building is a neoclassical structure, very common to Hazleton and many communities at the time, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, anywhere, the People's Savings Bank. And they had a twin that still stands. And believe it or not, that, that bank is now the Hazleton Art League. And Moran's work was featured at the Art League last summer. But one of the two structures, unfortunately, was demolished in the 60s. But that was just, that style was very popular in the early 1900s in U.S. communities to build banks that were reminiscent of Greek or Roman temples. So his work continued focusing on what was lost. He, he did another wonderful painting on a frigid winter's night of what was the Lehigh Valley train station in downtown Hazleton. And that was constructed in 1912, the same year that Hazleton's present city hall went up. That was a booming period for the city when coal was king. And the train station stood until 1963, it was demolished. By the time that John F. Kennedy had campaigned in downtown Hazleton in October 1960, just days before the 60 election, it was around that time that the train service was wrapping up. But at one point, you can take that train in downtown Hazleton to New York City. And what happened was, since Hazleton was such a center for theaters in the 20s and 30s, Oftentimes, actors would come from New York City and go to downtown Hazleton to the Lehigh Valley train station, and then afterward hit a night spot called Caruso's that was in downtown Hazleton. And just gives you a sense of the cosmopolitan nature of what was this six-square-mile city, which at one point, as one state auditor had reported in the 1910s, 30 languages were spoken on Hazleton streets including, believe it or not, Gaelic. The, the Donegal Irish that settled on, on the south side of Hazleton, they were so rural, they were so poor, they didn't even speak English. And that's how St. Gabriel's came into play. St. John Newman, who was then Bishop of Philadelphia, canonized saint in the Catholic Church, he established St. Gabriel's in 1857 for these Gaelic-speaking Irish immigrants. And to this day, it remains a very active parish in the neighborhood. And finally, another example of his work was of Party Square in downtown Hazleton. Party Square, really, that was a very consequential block in Hazleton. Before the present commercial area that you see in Hazleton, where the tallest buildings are located, that was once a square block for Ario Pardi, who's considered the founder of Hazleton, was at one point the wealthiest coal baron in America. And he built this antebellum mansion in 1859, three stories in the center of what was then the borough of Hazleton and then subsequently the city. And until 1923, it stood there. But then there was a voter referendum to this, the residents of Hazleton. Then the question was, do we keep Pardee Square as a public park and preserve the mansion and use it, for example, as either a clubhouse or a home for World War I veterans? Or do we demolish it and pave the way for commercial development? And by three-quarters of the votes, um, the, the, the residents resoundingly voted for demolition. And 
the one rumor at the time was Hazelson's voter base, then as now, was predominantly Catholic. And the rumor was that the club, if that were to be a club, would not admit Catholics. And that rumor certainly did not help the cause for preserving what was Party Square. So what happened was they proceeded with development and resulted in two high-rises, one the Altamont Hotel, the other one the Hazelton National Bank Building, and in the middle of the Capitol Theater, which to this day is, I mean, they're all gone, all the theaters are gone, but that was considered the nicest theater in Hazelton. And Moran captured a painting, Another Winter Night, since winter goes on forever in Hazelton, of Pardee Square, of the mansion, with a trolley passing by. This is probably in the late 1910s, right before the demolition occurred. And what's interesting about Pardee, Jane Jacobs, the beloved urban planner, writer, the, the author of The Death and Life of Great America Cities, and native of uh, Scranton, grew up initially in Green Ridge and then in Dunmore. Jacobs was related to the Pardee and Markle families. So she was tied into these Hazels and Cole families, though she grew up in Scranton. Her father was a doctor, but her mother, a Robeson, was related to the Pardees and, and Markles through her, her side of the family. But the irony is Jacobs, who who is revered to this day for what makes a vibrant urban neighborhood, what works, and, and learning from mistakes and, and, and ensuring that urban redevelopment does not happen in the city. Unfortunately, Hazleton did not follow the Jacobs playbook, and nobody was more acutely aware of this than Moran. For example, Donegal Hill, that Irish neighborhood, so the south side. Uh, that never fully recovered after a decision in the 1960s to proceed with urban redevelopment plans. It was called Downtown South, and beginning in 1968, and over the course of the next few years, the Downtown South project for the city of Hazleton, they were armed with funding. They subsequently demolished 16 square blocks of what was the center of the South Side. That there was once a vibrant, colorful, interesting neighborhood there, including one hotel, the Winfield Hotel, and according to Moran, because he was a great historian and, and talked to so many people over the years, but according to Moran, when you went to the Winfield Hotel, that was right out of The Sting, the movie. You know, during Prohibition, it was like Prohibition didn't even hit Hazelton. It was spared. Everybody kept partying and drinking. And among the regulars to Hazel at the time, according to Moran, was a guy named Jimmy Walker, who was mayor of New York City in the 20s. He would come to Hazelton, stop by the Winfield. But all that history was lost, and, and this vibrant community, you know, where hundreds of families were displaced, and a whole urban core was wiped out. It, it kind of destroyed the urban core of what was Hazleton's Irish neighborhood. And Moran resented this, and I, I think that partly inspired a lot of his work. He, he saw how harmful it was, the long-term consequences of tearing down your buildings, not preserving your, your history. As, uh, again, Elliot Jerome once said, he said, he said, when it comes to Hazleton, eradication of history is our track record. And sadly, that's the case. There was no appreciation for this history. And as a result, this set the downtown back years because if you eliminate the residential area around the downtown, you euthanize the downtown. And that's exactly what happened on the, the South Side. And it, it was a tragedy. And you know, with Moran, he loved Hazleton, but I, I think part of the problem was Moran, during his life, he, he produced this great work, and oftentimes pe people are thinking of other things, or they, they didn't appreciate his talents. And he was an artist who unfortunately could not part with his work. 
So he was attached to his work. So it, it was not like he was selling these paintings at a, at a gallery in New York, which is what an artist should do. But he, he couldn't part with his work. You know, he couldn't part with his work, and Hazleton never left his mind. You write so articulately about the works themselves and the sense of the radiance, the sense of the light, even though it might be on a dark, rainy autumn night, there is some sort of, as you describe it, glow or a radiance somehow. There's so much radiance, and he captured the urbanity of Hazelson. And I think, you know, for posterity, when you look at Moran's paintings, you will see what that city once was. And hopefully it can inspire people to make Hazelson. You can never make a place what it once was, but you can look to art for, for inspiration. For example, historic preservation. Maybe you should preserve that beautiful old building that may look like it's falling apart find ways to make it happen. And there are some efforts now in Hazelson, more so than in previous decades, to preserve architecture, whether that's St. Paul's Methodist Church in downtown Hazelton. There was an effort, I'm vice president of the Hazelton Historical Society, and there was an effort dating back to 2015 to save what, what was the oldest church in Hazelton, one of the few examples of Richardsonian Romanesque architecture in the, the state of Pennsylvania, in, in downtown Hazelton. And now there are efforts underway among local groups to preserve that church in addition to other structures of downtown Hazelton. So compared to even when Moran was around, there does seem to be a deeper sense that too many buildings were lost, but unfortunately, so many were lost that we can only turn to Moran's paintings to fully understand how architecturally vibrant the, the city of Hazelton once was. You mentioned a show this past summer of his work. Where is most of his work now? So a uh, local family, not long after his death, purchased his work, and it was a godsend because... The alternative was the work would have been auctioned. Who knows what it could have gone for. It was just sitting in a storage facility. So the fact that this family in, in Hazleton purchased the work was a wonderful development. And it was through their efforts that that happened. And then that the work in turn could be displayed at the Hazleton Art League last summer. And in connection with that exhibition, you gave a walking tour, did you? Yes. So I, I gave a walking tour of downtown Hazleton that focus on the subjects of Moran's work or what you may see in the painting, but now is a parking lot. And the goal was to present a candid tour, the, the struggles, the, the fact that you can still enter Hazleton National Bank's lobby and feel like you're in the medieval chamber, which is great that that building's still there. But then you look out south to the south side and you see parking lots, strip malls, just not how that neighborhood once looked. And, and really, I mean, Hazelton is well-known. Hazelton had a demographic transformation. So all of this is history. His focus was architectural. But when it comes to uh, the Hazelton South Side, it was very fitting. So a few years ago, what was the oldest uh, bar in Hazelton, the Battered Mug, dating to the 1860s as uh, the Pine Street Hotel, Mary Crossens, it, it closed. But most recently in the past year, Boyle's Funeral Home closed on the south side of Hazelton. But as Moran would observe, this would be a Moran observation, that you know, it's fitting that for an Irish neighborhood, the last institution to close in the historically Irish neighborhood is the Irish funeral home. And that's exactly what happened. You, know, you went through those doors, every family went through those doors, and, and then off to St. Gabriel's and St. Gabriel's Cemetery. 
And St. Gabriel's remains a vibrant parish. It's now predominantly Hispanic parish. And it's interesting, when you enter the church, you, you pass the vestibule and you look right and there's an etching of St. Patrick, a frosted etching of St. Patrick that leads to the choir loft. And then you go down toward the altar, past the fixed bronze lamps and, and look at this Italian altar, marble altar, and you look to the right there's an altar to Our Lady of Alta Gracia, which is patron of the Dominican Republic, but just shows you how this one parish is a microcosm of the city of Hazelson, that the parish itself underwent a, a demographic transformation. So it was an Irish parish. Today it's a Hispanic parish, but no matter what, it's continuing that tradition on Hazelson's south side. And, and St. Gabriel's itself, which had extensive rehabilitation work uh, since COVID, is magnificent. So it looks better than it ever has. It will be 100 years old. And the, the building itself, the structure, will be 100 years old in a few years. It was built in 1927. But it commands the south side. And that's an example of good preservation at work. Words of writer Charles McElwee, editor of Real Clear Politics, Pennsylvania, and vice president of the Greater Hazelton Area Historical Society. And he did speak with us about Northeastern Pennsylvania artist James Moran, who died at the age of 76 in 2016. Someone who celebrated the city of Hazelton in his paintings. And Charles McElwee's article is titled Haunted in Hazelton in the Atlantic online, and you just search for November 5th, 2016. To find out more about Charles McElwee, you can find his website, which is charlesmcelwee.com, and McElwee is M-C-E-L-W-E-E, M-C-E-L-W-E-E, charlesmcelwee.com. And also, if you're curious about the arts in Hazelton, hazeltonartleague.org, hazeltonartleague.org.